Welcome to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. I'm Daniel Davis. This week we are on Unit 24, Session 2, titled, Jesus is the Life. The Gospel of John is often considered the most evangelistic gospel in the New Testament, though they are all evangelistic. Evangelism, after all, is sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what the word evangelism means, sharing the good news. All four Gospels serve this purpose as intended by the Holy Spirit, who inspired their authors. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples and an apostle, explicitly stated the evangelistic nature of his Gospel toward the end of the book. In John 20, verses 30-31, John stated how Jesus did many other signs unmentioned in his writing, some of which were recorded in the other Gospels. But the signs written and recorded in John's Gospel were chosen to help people believe Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, that they might have life. John 11, 1-46, our focal passage for this session, records the final climactic sign that Jesus performs, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. In the raising of Lazarus, Jesus revealed that he has power over life and death, both physically and spiritually. Truly, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In point one, we look at John 11, verses 20 through 27, to see that the Messiah brings life from death. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus, became ill, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus to let him know of the illness, presumably hoping Jesus would come in time to heal their brother so he might live. Yet Jesus delayed his visit for the express purpose of demonstrating the glory of God through the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And once he knew Lazarus had died, Jesus departed with his disciples for Bethany to wake Lazarus up from the sleep of death. This brings us up to speed on the story for the focal passage in point one, in which Martha, one of Lazarus' sisters, went to meet Jesus as he approached the village. Our study for this point looks at the conversation between Martha and Jesus. Martha obviously had great faith in Jesus. Even in the face of her brother's death, She knew Jesus could have healed him if he had arrived in time. And even though Jesus arrived late from her perspective, she still trusted in Jesus' relationship with the Father, and thus his inherent goodness and holiness. The untimely death of her brother and Jesus' friend didn't shake her faith in Jesus. Let's hope and pray that the same can be said of all of us in similar situations. What follows is an interesting exchange. Knowing what we know about the end of the story and knowing what we know Jesus knew about the end of the story. Jesus declared the truth that Lazarus would rise again. He, of course, was referring to the miracle that would occur just a short time later. But Martha heard Jesus' words as consolation about the future resurrection of God's people. Again, her reply demonstrated great faith in God and His word. But Jesus dug a little deeper, asking if her faith in God extended to Jesus Himself being the resurrection and the life the one who can bring life out of death. And Martha affirmed this belief, stating that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Immediately, we should be reminded of John's purpose statement for his gospel, that people would believe exactly this about Jesus and thus receive eternal life, even though they may physically die. We should also recognize Martha's belief that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, the descendant of King David, to rule on a forever throne of peace and justice over all of God's people. Jesus proclaimed the truth about himself 
and called for a response of faith. Those who believe in this Jesus recognize that He is the resurrection and the life and receive those gifts by grace. And this provides us a model for our own evangelism. We proclaim the truth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who was crucified and raised from the dead, and that all those who believe in Him can expect Jesus to be the resurrection and the life for them as well. In point two, we move ahead to verses 38 through 44 to see that the Messiah brings glory from grief. After Jesus' conversation with Martha, he waited for Mary and had a brief but moving interaction with her. And from there, he went to the tomb, where we pick up with the focal verses for this point. In verse 38, we read that Jesus was deeply moved again. The first such response was in verse 33, after witnessing Mary's grief, along with that of the mourners with her. And in verse 35, we read that Jesus wept. Again, knowing the outcome of this event, we find these references peculiar. Jesus knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead, so it doesn't make sense that he would cry and be moved by the circumstance of Lazarus' death, even though that was the conclusion of the crowd. Rather, we should probably see this display of emotion as the sympathy and compassion of the Lord for his image bearers. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but until the time of his second coming, Death remains an active and very real experience in the lives of sinners, whether that be fear for our own death or the grief we suffer at the loss of loved ones in tragic circumstances. In this last week, wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui have claimed around 100 lives so far. Many families and people are grieving the loss of homes, property, livelihoods, and much more the loss of loved ones. And wars across the globe will continue to wreak havoc on countries and their citizens. The example of Jesus shows us that grief in these circumstances is right. And I would think whether we are near or far from the impact. To trust in the resurrection and the life doesn't negate the impact of death in this world. But the believer has the hope of resurrection to mitigate and transform that grief. And the believer also has the promise of 1 Corinthians 15, 54-57 about Jesus' second coming and the final resurrection. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, death, is your victory? Where, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Until that day when death is swallowed up in Christ's victory, we grieve death, but we do so with faith and hope in Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus showed us the reason for this hope when he raised Lazarus from the dead, revealing the glory of God to all who were present and to all who read of this miracle thereafter. Though Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus, with a display similar to the miraculous power shown in creation to call light into being, Jesus called forth life from death, and Lazarus obeyed the call, shuffling out of his tomb. The God who spoke and light came into existence, spoke again, and recreated life where there was none. And all who witnessed it were able to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the Son whom the Father sent into the world for our salvation, resurrection, and eternal life. In point three, we continue with verses 45 through 53, 
to see that the Messiah brings salvation from rejection. These verses deal with the various responses to Jesus' miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. Understandably, there were many mourners with Jesus who heard what Jesus said and saw what he did and subsequently believed in him. Surely, seeing someone who was four days dead walking out of a tomb would lead to faith in Jesus who called that someone out. But in Luke 16.31, Jesus said of the Pharisees, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. That resurrection is a reference to his own after his crucifixion. But Jesus' statement holds true here in John 11 as well with Lazarus' resurrection. Some people who witnessed the miracle went to the Pharisees and told them what they saw. And the result? Unbelief and rejection. Rather than fear God and the one he sent, they chose to fear their Roman occupiers who might be riled up by the news of a potential Messiah. And what's even more shocking is that they couldn't deny Jesus was doing the signs they were worried about. So, the decision was made to kill Jesus. And John 12.10 says they planned to kill Lazarus too. But specifically for Jesus, Caiaphas, the high priest, said that killing Jesus was a justified decision because it was better for one person to die for the people rather than the whole nation. This accords well with Vulcan logic that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. But the validity of his statement exceeded the fictional logic of Vulcans and even the chief priest's own wisdom. This was a prophecy given by God himself. Jesus, the Son of God, would die for the nation of Israel and all the scattered people of God, whoever will believe in Jesus for eternal life. Even though Caiaphas was a rebel against God, an unbeliever and ultimately complicit in the murder of the Son of God, here he spoke better than he knew by the inspiration of God to affirm the doctrine of Christ as substitute, which is our key doctrine featured in this session. This passage doesn't speak to Jesus being a substitute sacrifice for our sin, but the testimony of all the scriptures does teach just that. Jesus would die in the place of the nation, and Jesus would die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he showed that he has power over death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, we can have full assurance that God has defeated death forever and will one day resurrect us from the dead. Because we believers have been given eternal life in Christ, we must glorify God always, even in sickness and in death, trusting in His power to raise us from the dead for God's glory. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.